Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode nine of Elo Punters. Today, uh, we are here with myself, Bob Huang, our other co-host, Daniel. Say hi, Daniel. Hello. And we have a special guest today, Francisco. Hey, Say hi, how's Francisco. it going? Yeah, Welcome. It's good. It's good. Cool, cool. Yeah, it's going Thank well. You. So, how do you? Okay, first question, Francisco. How do you pronounce your name? That's actually a funny question. Uh, actually, I have I had no idea until four years ago or three years ago, <laughs> where I, I asked Canister on stream. Like my last name is Polish, in case you hadn't noticed. Um, but I'm originally from Argentina, so like f people just haven't in in my family. Nobody has spoken Polish in like five generations or something. So it got completely lost. So. It was only when I turned 26 or something like that where I asked Canister on stream and he actually pronounced it for me. So that's pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, it's actually Pavlushek, apparently. Pavlushek. Okay, okay. The more you know. Then, but then how does your family pronounce it? The more you it? know. What is the Argentinian way Paolusek. of pronouncing it? Uh, that, okay, that, that would okay. be like, Paulusek would be the Argentinian way, quote unquote, <laughs> to, to pronounce it. I like it. I like both ways. That's, that's kind of like me, actually. My parents so they chose a name for me um i don't know how much you know about mandarin chinese but it's like there's characters and it's pictorial and they chose a character that like means like wealthy smart and good at kung fu it's a very rare character to like use all right but my parents um you know they wanted me to be all those things and i'm pretty sure i'm none of them but they told me how to pronounce it we'll see time will tell but um they told me how to pronounce it and then it was only later when I went to China that I told people my name and they're like, you're pronouncing it wrong. And I was like, oh, that's why my, par my parents told me. And apparently they like chose this complicated esoteric word to be my name and they didn't even know how to pronounce it properly. So, <laughs> so yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, definitely tell us a little bit about yourselves. I, I know you're definitely, you're a streamer, you're from Argentina, but um, have you been doing this for a while now? Like, how did you kind of get started? Yeah, so basically I am a full-time musician and, uh, well, uh, I realized I loved magic. When I was a kid, I used to play with my brothers uh, back in Argentina, of course, like, you know, not many LGSs and the ones that there are are very, very small. Uh, so we fortunately had one that was close-ish to, to my house. So I learned to play there and I went there until I was like... I started playing when Odyssey was released, so... I don't oh, me know. too. Yeah, it's, it was a really long time ago, back when Wild Mongrel was like the best creature ever printed oh, in the history of the I, game. I, I like, I, uh, one of my first decks was, you know, the blue-green Madness deck with Wild Mongrel and Wonder, and that was like dude, a cheap deck that like a kid could build and have be like reasonably powerful. And I didn't dude, even play standard, but I played with my friends and just crushed them with that card. My, it's so great. I literally have blue-green Madness right next to me right now. Like... <laughs> It is, it is the first actually competitive deck that I ever owned. Uh, so it, I still, I literally have it right here. I finished building it like four years ago or something, which is mm -hmm. funny because I was always missing an intuition and something else or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so I started playing when I was a kid and then I took like it with a, a Guild Pact, which is the second, uh, the second one from the, in the block from the original Ravnica. Mm -hmm. I stopped playing and then I picked it back up with uh, Improtor Born of the Gods. Um, a couple of friends of mine in college, I went to music school over there and a couple, mm -hmm. of, a couple of friends of mine were playing magic. And I'm like, oh man, I used to play magic when I was a kid. 
let's see what's up. And I, I picked the cars back up and I'm like, oh man, this is like riding a bike. Uh, but what is this planeswalker thing? Like, what the hell is this? This sucks. Oh yeah, damage on the stack. Yeah, uh, damage didn't go on the stack anymore. That was another big one. Uh, legend rule. Oh damn it! Don't, don't so get me started. Did you play at the Pro rule. Tour? Uh, yeah, yeah. So this is I started playing uh, around like when Born of the Gods was released, and that's when I first got introduced to modern. Uh, the, 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 I just started playing with standard like everybody. You know, when, when you're starting to play again, you start playing standard, and then like I started looking at modern content. I'm like, cause I was. Like, it was not fun, right? Like, you're just casting back rats, and then mm-hmm. you you look at modern, and you know they're like using remand on their own spell, and like you know like you're potting your creature into something else, and you're creating this infinite loop, and you have like these pot chains and stuff. Like, it was a lot better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I started I started uh, consuming modern content at this time, and that's when I first uh, took a look into Amulet, and I was kind of hooked. <laughs> Wait, really so funny. this was like way before that it became a, a very popular like deck. Yeah, yeah. So the, the very first I, the very first time I saw the deck was it was round seven. I still remember this round seven of Proton Board of the Gods. It is uh, Matthias Hunt was playing in a backup match. And um, he casts a primeval thunder. He has all of these weird lands that I'm literally looking, like zooming in into the into the, the video and l- looking and reading the name of the card and just googling it to see what it does. Um, I'm I'm l- doing this as I'm watching, <laughs> and then uh, he casts a primeval titan with two mana floating. His opponent mana leaks it, and then he exiles his Mean spirit guy to to pay, to pay for mana leak, and I'm like, damn. This is what I want to be doing. This <laughs> yeah, guy knows awesome. what's up. This guy gets it. And uh, basically, um, that was kind of it. Like from from there, I was I was hooked into into modern, and that was like the format that I played the most by far at all mm-hmm. points, really. <laughs> um, so, which was the pro tour that um, that Amulet Bloom like really took off? Like, it was the pro tour that I remember Justin. Yeah, was, uh, that was favorite for it. Okay, so this was the Pro Tour right before that one. So it no, was like no. it was a, it was like or, two or, or three. Yeah, it, it was it was it was a couple before. Like this is oh, yeah, yeah, this sorry, is sorry, before, yeah, before everybody yeah. anybody took Amulet seriously. Yeah, it was like and three then, or four before. Yeah, and then like Sam Black and Justin Cohen like grabbed Amulet and they figured out mm-hmm. how to actually make it good. They they figure out like some really smart like sideboard plans and that that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So how good was this Amulet deck? before you know pro tour favorite forge like before it was like everybody you know agreed it was busted but like during those you know year or so plus that you had been playing it before it was super popular was it super busted in that year uh no not really but this is mostly because like when i first of all at this point i didn't play magic online so i i I could only play there was back then i was living in boston and there was this like lgs that had tuesday night modern so mm-hmm. I would go there like maybe every other week or something, and I would play like for a little bit. And like sometimes I wouldn't even actually play the entire night because maybe I have to go to a rehearsal or something. So I, I, I was pretty active at that point in, in the in the Boston music scene. Um, so I couldn't really play that much, and uh, the deck was just very underexplored. Like it, it was kind of considering. Um, it was kind of it was kind of considered a little bit of a meme, really. <laughs> it was mm-hmm. just like this this like combo deck, 
that could, you know, kill you on turn two if you had the natural or even turn one if you had like a super natural or if you were if you were palming seven, as we saw later on. <laughs> uh, that's another story, of course. Um, but it was kind of a meme because also you have to remember that at this point, like Splinter Tuning was the best deck in the format and uh, Splinter Tuning was a really bad matchup. <laughs> it was really, really bad, uh, especially because they were playing like two Blood Moons in the sideboard and stuff, and it's just like, it, it was just unwinnable. Um, Remand also really destroyed you. The Silver XR tapping your Titan was a big deal. Like, everything about Spinner Spin just sucked from the Amulet perspective. It was pretty mm -hmm. bad. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, nobody really explored the archetype too much, uh, especially because, like, there were a lot of really busted decks that people were playing. Uh, mm -hmm. But it was it was it was really like Sam Black and and Justin Cohen that really uh, broke it. Um, and the funniest right. thing is like they broke it by making the deck less broken, which is hilarious. Uh, yeah, they made of, it more of a mid range deck with a good exactly plan. exactly. They they just uh, basically perfection the the mid range plan that the deck had the capability of doing. And then it, that's when it became broken, which is really funny because it's the same thing that happened to Pod, right? When everybody stopped playing. Uh, combos in pod, that's when they ban it. <laughs> like, Siege mm -hmm. Rhino broke pod, right? E even Twin was Patrick Dickman, like, making it more of a, you know, combo control deck instead of pure combo deck. Yeah, exactly. With, like, Tarmogoyfs and stuff. Uh, like, it, it's crazy how, like, turning it from less of a combo deck and more of a uh, kind of, like, a deck that can swivel a little bit more between mm -hmm. the, the combo and the, and the mid-range spectrum um, mm -hmm. it, it, it just makes the deck the decks better sometimes, you know? Yeah, I think that's just, like, historically just always been the case because combo decks are generally vulnerable to a couple axes of interaction, but then when you make it a combo mid-range or a combo control, then it's a lot less vulnerable to specific cards. Yeah. Exactly, I exactly. Just, uh, I just looked at the difference between Mateus Hunt and uh, Sam Black's list. They're actually pretty similar. The main difference is they added Ancient Stirrings, and then they added a couple green creatures to the sideboard. But the list mm -hmm. is almost completely the same. Like mm -hmm. his main deck yeah. wasn't actually that far off. Like they basically they added ancient strings and they added like a couple green creatures to the sideboard. But the list were, it's it's not like he was you know uh, that far. Mm -hmm. His list is very similar actually. I guess ancient yeah, strings yeah. Is, a, is a super big upgrade slash find. But then like the other big point is Francisco alluded to, which was they banned twin. So like when the when the best well no this twin was still legal when they played. Up. That's that's the yeah, PT yeah. twin one with Justin Cohen. I actually. I remember I used to play Amulet, and I, I felt a little bit comfortable against Twin. I mean, it wasn't a good matchup. Maybe I was overrating it, but I remember it. Was, I mean, maybe I was overrating it a bit, and uh, I'm off topic. But I remember I felt a little bit. You know, I, I didn't feel that uncomfortable. I mean, I, I guess they had uh, because basically I would sideboard in like a bunch of cards, and obviously they have very good plans against you, but they don't close the game that quickly. Obviously, they have Blood Moon, which is very problematic, but I remember I'd have a yeah. bunch of, like, Disenchants, and the Disenchants get all their deal with their twin combo, and they can't Dude, kill you that quickly. Exactly. Seal of Armoidum was the best card in the matchup, which is hilarious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, like, and, <laughs> that was and the they, yeah, their, their creatures don't close that quickly, and then you can try and find Counter of Souls for the counter spells, and then if you have some Disenchants, obviously it wasn't, like, a good matchup, but I always felt sort of comfortable because I, I played a bunch of seals or you'd have other cards like Celestial Purge or Dismember or mm -hmm. Nature's Claim or Swan Song and then their, their creatures don't kill that quickly and then you can try and like find Cavern or you can just play a Titan but it wasn't a good matchup but like I wouldn't say it was like you know a crazy like 90-10 for twin matchup or something I always thought it was pretty close you know 
Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where I think Amulet was the less popular, less explored deck at the time. So if you Yeah. were the Amulet pilot and then you like knew what to do in the matchup, you could definitely find yourself winning that matchup a fair bunch. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Amulet was like it, it really took a long time for the deck to take off, right? Like if you if you look at the cards that people are playing in in the Phase Reforge PT, it's just like all of those cards have been legal in the format for like literally like ten decades, maybe even. <laughs> Uh, which is really funny, um, but it, it it took like just grabbing those cards and putting them putting them in, in a different place or in a, in a different like order or whatever to to really make the deck explode, and that's what put it at the the forefront of of the modern format, even to the point where Summer Bloom just had to be banned eventually. Mm Yeah, it's also uh, with Lantern Control had a sort of a similar thing where -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. it was one of those decks that because. Bloom was so, when it was good, it was so good. And I think it was similar with Lantern. I think like when Lantern first came out, it was so dominating. Like it was, it had like a really dominating performance, like extremely high win rates. And that was actually, I, I played both a lot of Amulet and Lantern and it, it definitely felt similar. Like it was like, like you think who brewed this deck, you know, it's pretty hard to think about, you know, putting these cards together. Like Lantern, when you think of it, it sounds like such a bad strategy. You know, you're like, you want to play Lantern to look at the top cards and you want to like, that sounds like complete nonsense. You're like, what about their cards in hand? Like, it just doesn't make Yeah. any sense. Amulet, it kind of, it, it makes more sense maybe in the game plan way, but also it's, it's kind of weird. You're like, I, I mean, I guess Amulet makes a little bit more sense, but it's still very a weird deck. But yeah, most Yeah, exactly. of these decks, it's like, who thought of this? Like, especially when I thought of Lantern, I'm like, who thought of this? It seems like the worst, this is such a, how, how do you even get to this point? Like, how do you look at Lantern of Insight and be like, I want to, you know, yeah. Yeah, And then El Zach Elsick took down the GP, and then people started playing it. It was like, or like, this he deck top, is actually pretty good. he topped like two in a row, I think, or I think he like top 16 <laughs> and then top eighted. yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, Uh, he top 16. my, my favorite thing about the whole amulet thing is just how, how everything just fits together perfectly. Like how you had like Slayer Stronghold and then you had Bordos Garrison that taps for exactly the amount of mana that you need to activate Stronghold. How like Tolaria West plus Simid Ghost Chamber actually gives you the three mana that you need to transmute and it also puts the land in your hand with the bounce trigger. Like all of those things are just... Yeah, also the fact that Summoner's Pact is zero mana, so that Teleria West can fetch it. Exactly, so you can go fetch it. It's so sick. Like, And it's also so that good. Summer Like, Bloom and Amulet make exactly six mana. <laughs> dude, like all yeah. of that stuff, <laughs> it really, it really feels like somebody in Wizards was just like brewing this for literally decades. He's like, yeah, my plan is almost, my plan is almost <laughs> He's like, complete. why don't we print some packs? It's an interesting uh, idea. Summoner's Pact, <laughs> find a green creature, Pact of Negation. yeah. Uh, those cards are so funny too, because like they saw very little modern play until like much later, and now they like the packs are like a, a mainstay of the format almost. Exactly. Well, Pact of Negation, I mean, the pack saw a bit of play. I wouldn't say they saw no play, because people like originally in Twin, they would play Pact of Negation or like in, in some weird decks. But yeah, definitely uh, they didn't see that much. Though Summer's Pack now gets to see some play in uh, Neoform, but I guess that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, but you guys are definitely making me reminisce about, like, the golden age of modern, like, you know, not just Twin and Pod, but, like, the fact that you had these crazy decks like Amulet and Lantern that could come out of nowhere, um, you know, lots of cool decks even after that, like Hardened Scales, but then nowadays we're just, like, doing crazy shit, although I, I guess we'll get to that, um, I think that's going to be our... Our second topic, our two topics today we wanted to talk on. One was the Morrow Thread uh, innovation versus balance and, you know, printing for standard versus printing for eternal. And then the second topic was basically diving into kind of what we think is good in each format. But I do want to take a step back. I, <laughs> we've kind of just like jumped into everything and I started reminiscing. 
Um, but I do want to take a step back and thank our patrons um, who joined since last episode. So thank you to Patrick, Pietro, Nicholas, Alex, Matthew, James, Aaron, and Michael. And thank you as well to our editor at Ellie of the Vale on Twitter. Um, she's awesome. Uh, a couple quick Patreon updates as well. Daniel put a Black Green Scales uh, Pioneer Guide. Uh, Rugved, a uh, guest uh, of the podcast, actually put up a Miracle Sideboard Guide. And I put up a guide for the Garuda deck in Legacy. Um, it's a little bit tricky doing deck guides right now because everything's really in flux. Like, uh, we don't know how long companions are going to be around. A lot of people were speculating that maybe there was going to be an, some sort of announcement today, but that came and went. So, you know, we're not really sure when things are going to change a lot. Um, so we're kind of like going a little bit slower on the content front, but if there's something you guys want to see, um, definitely let us know. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's awkward. Cause I couldn't make deck guides for like Grixis Delver or like black green, but, or even in inverter Yorion inverter, but it's awkward cause we just, it doesn't, we don't know how long they are. I mean, well, like we, if, if I, I thought they were going to get like announced to be banned today, basically or something, but obviously it's uncertain, but it makes it kind of weird to, you know, make a deck guide when it feels the format's, you know, going to, you know. That's why I put a scales one up because it was a very like quick one. It wasn't that in depth. But... Yeah, I think that's my plan. Is I'll do some like like really quick guides basically that don't take me that much time to make. Um, since you know we don't know how, how long it's going to be around for. Um, okay, yeah. yeah let's this, move on to caster this, this, updates. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say like this. This kind of situation really sucks. Like I I wrote like a fifty page cyber guide for Amulet before GP Austin. And then immediately after, then like <laughs> Lattice, oh, yeah. Oko, and Moksopo get banned. And it's like, well, there it goes, like a bunch of hours of my life. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's really unfortunate that the formats like seem to shift very rapidly now. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like they basically forced rotation, basically. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so, okay, quickly touching on um, caster updates. We, we usually like to talk about some you know magic stuff, some non-magic stuff that we've been up to. So magic stuff, I think we've, we've already started alluding to. Um, in terms of non-magic stuff, um, I'm still in the Virginia area, DC area, and we're still under quarantine. But I've, I've been finding ways to play um, basically escape rooms and online board games uh, with Jarvis <laughs> and Dave Long and, and some other magic players. So that's been pretty fun. Cool. Um, Daniel, have you been up to anything in particular? Uh, I've just been playing like almost every single super PTQ because it's like four a week. So I feel like you've top aided like 10 by now. Like how many have you top aided? <laughs> Six. Six? Okay, that's that's pretty insane. Um, but the I one guess... today too. Yeah, I yeah. counted the one today, so that's cheating. <laughs> I don't think that's cheating. You, you earned it, man. Um, okay, Francisco, what about you? How is life in... Uh, actually, where do you live? <laughs> I live in Los Angeles, actually. I've been living here. So basically, I lived in Argentina for like 20 years. I was born there and raised there. And then I moved to the States uh, in uh, 2010. My dad got a, got a job in Houston. And then I took that as a chance to go study music in Boston. So I applied to university and I went to, to university there. So I lived four years in Boston. And then after those four years, I moved to LA, where I where I've been living for the past six years with my wife. So it's mm -hmm. been it's been a while since since I've been in LA now. Well, oh, that's okay. I actually used to. Oh, sorry to interrupt, Bob. No, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say I, that's where I started playing Magic in like 20, like thirteen, twenty fourteen. I would play at like next. Well, it's a pretty big city, but I would play like next gen games and nightwear 
mostly nightwear. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, funny enough is like my parents live in in San Diego, and for whatever reason, like I just never was able to find an LGS that I liked here in LA. And there's like a couple of that I went to in San Diego that are very, very nice. So also my brother lives in San Diego. So I go to the LGS with him very often. We both of us play magic. And so like my LG, even though I live in LA, I actually, whenever I go play paper magic, it really is in San Diego, which is pretty funny. Yeah. I would say, I think Nightwear is a really good store because, uh, well, if you, they do more legacy, but like once a month or once every two months, they usually have staples legacy tournaments where like first place gets dual lands. And also the owner has like all these decks you can borrow. That's how I got into Legacy because she has like 15 Legacy decks and you can borrow any. And it's actually funny now, I think there's a Miracles license because people kept complaining about lending Miracles and getting draws. So she'll only (laughs) lend you Miracles if she knows you. (laughs) That's really funny. Oh man. Or she says she doesn't have it listed on the website and she just, she has in the back shelf for the local, for the regulars, I guess. (laughs) I don't Mm -hmm. miss Miracles at all, man. Yeah, it was it was such a scourge for so long, and now it's like yep. actually now I guess it's okay again. But it was kind of bad for a while too. Um, yeah, I mean it was just top. <laughs> I just hated mm-hmm. top so much. Mm-hmm. Stupid card. But yeah, next time you're in San Diego, you should say hi to Anurag. He moved there last year. Or yeah, I knew ago, that. Yeah. I, I I knew that. I actually talked to him. That's that's how I. Like, I it was so random. Like I just some ta- some so, at some point in his stream, he just said, "Yeah, in San Diego, whatever." Like, dude. Really? You live in San Diego now? So, yeah, we, we never got to we never got to get to meet there, but it yeah. is really funny. Yeah. Also, one one more thing about Nightwear. I know Eli, sometimes you'll see Eli Loveman play there. So I remember when I'm like, it's that guy from from uh, when he went to Pro Tour. I was like, it's that guy. I think I see him from LA. <laughs> <laughs> nice. One of those legacy guys went to Pro Tour. Oh, cool. Uh, I didn't know he was into legacy. That's cool. That makes me like him more. <laughs> well, I don't know how much he plays, but you just see him sometimes there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, Francisco, can you talk to us a little bit more about your uh, music career? You said you do it full time. Obviously, right now uh, it's a little bit difficult. Yeah, yeah. But what do you do? Right, right now I'm a full time content creator because, well, uh, really, in, in in my real life, <laughs> quote unquote, um, I am actually a full time musician. I I am a drummer, and I've been playing well since since I moved here to to LA. I'm playing like different uh, cover bands and like. Uh, what we call GB bands, general business. Um, so for like, you know, private parties and that kind of stuff. Um, so I play in many of those and then I have like my own cover band. We play with those as well and I do a lot of teaching. I have, a, I'm very, very passionate about about teaching, uh, which is kind of one of the things that turned me into, into streaming actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because I started, um, I just basically decided, well, I mean, I'm playing Magic online. I started playing Magic online because, again, because I was a musician, so usually my weekends were busy. Um, so I said, like, I'm, I'm just never playing Magic. So I guess like the only the only out that I have is I just have to start playing Magic online. So I bought into Magic online and I was grinding dailies like four or five years ago back back when that was a thing. Um, basically, all I did ever was just I just bought Amulet in, in Magic online. And then I just ground that. <laughs> so I built my entire collection thanks to Primeval Titan and friends. Um, so that's that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, so I, I started, I, w- I was playing Magic Online during the day and I'm like, I, let's try this streaming thing. At that point I was, I was watching another streamer which doesn't stream anymore, unfortunately, uh, which is called Holy Shamgar. 
and I enjoyed his stream a lot and I just got in touch with him like dude like I would like to start streaming can you give me some tips so he, he gave me like a, a lot of tips he talked to me about like how to use OBS you know stream labs and all that stuff and I just basically started doing uh, I just started doing it and I started streaming like a couple of days a week at first then I went up to like four days a week and then nowadays I'm basically streaming every day maybe I take like one day break a week or something uh, but yeah, I've been basically streaming every day and, and trying to, everybody started, you know, when I started, I was the amulet guy and I was streaming amulet all the time. And then slowly but surely I started diversifying a little bit. So I started brewing a little bit um, with cards that I liked, uh, for example, Astral Drift, <laughs> for whatever reason, I <laughs> I just love the card Astral Drift. Uh, mm -hmm. Ren and Six and Karn the Great Creator were also cards that inspire some of my less <laughs> less successful brews uh but yeah i, I i've been pl playing a little bit of everything and lately a little bit of legacy as well <laughs> which it was kind of a, an accident really um i had like a bunch of qps uh, qualifier points uh, for those of you that don't know which are you just get them by playing leagues and they were going to expire so i decided to join the uh legacy showcase qualifier no, mm -hmm. Showcase Challenge, that's the one. And I, I, I just ran, grabbed a random 5-0 list, which I liked, which was like a four-color control, like snow control shell. And um, I played the league with it, I 5-0'd, and I'm like, cool, I'm just going to submit this tomorrow. And then I joined the tournament, and I ended up going all the way to the finals, and I lost in the finals, which qualified me for the Showcase uh, qualifier. Damn, that's so many names. Um, I always get them <laughs> wrong. Um, and then I played a, a Yorion four-color control deck in the showcase qualifier as well. And I again lost in the finals to uh, Newton on Elves. So yeah, all of that was streamed uh, live without any cam recorder, uh, cam uh, hider or anything like that. And it's all right now hanging out in my YouTube channel. If a little plug there, but yeah, all of, all, of, all of my content gets uploaded to YouTube as well. So mm -hmm. now that's really awesome. That's always one thing is like I, I love playing really high level events, but I'm always scared to stream them. Mm -hmm. um, and I definitely know people who have been ghosted before, but that's that's crazy that you did that and you were like really successful. Um, how did you? I have, a, I have a question about the um, the Yorian deck. Like, how did you uh, build that deck? Did you like um, work off like Ikuburonin's list, or did you do your own thing? Yeah, I actually, I, I made a tweet saying, like, I have no idea what to play. And Icaron and actually was kind enough to, he actually sent me a PM. And he's like, this is what I've, been, what I've been working on. And I looked at it and I was, at this point I was streaming. I have like a bunch of streams, which are just like straight nonsense. I'm just basically playing literally every deck in the legacy format that I can get my hands off. Because this is, I basically got second in the, in the showcase challenge. And then I tried to play that same deck because like, this was four days or three days before companions happened. Mm -hmm. So like I try to play my deck from the event and I go like a quick one for like the deck's just unplayable now because you just cannot keep up with like this with the companions. So I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Like the deck that I was lying on playing is completely unplayable now. Um, fortunately, there was the, the bug with Giruda. So <laughs> that gave me one more week. So I said, okay, 
Let's do it. And I just got, I just went ahead and I just literally tried every single playable deck in the format. And I streamed one league with each one of them. And I'm like, okay, so this deck doesn't work because of this. This deck doesn't work because of this. Uh, I tried uh, Grixis, the Delver decks, uh, the Jeskai Delver. I tried um, uh, Titan Stompy lists. I tried Cyrda decks, all of those. And I just kept running into the weaknesses on every single one of those decks. And then Nicole Baron just sent me this list. And I'm like, okay, I'll just give it, I, let's just give it a shot. And it, it looked kind of clunky, right? You you look at it and it's just like 80 lands. Am I really playing Abundant Growth in my Legacy deck? Um, you, you ask yourself a lot of questions, you know? And mm -hmm. somehow I'm winning. And I finished my first league, I go 4-1 and one, and I'm like, okay, maybe there's something here. And I play another league and I and I got another 4-1 and one or a 5-0 or something like what the hell's going on here? Why am I winning with my 80 card, with this 80 card deck in Legacy? What is, what, this is crazy. And then I just started basically trying different things. Like for example, the, the, the early list were splashing for Pyroblast. And I thought that that was just not necessary. I started, I started realizing what I was losing to in, in the Delver matchup, for example. Um, so it's that- usually not the Delver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. What, what you lose to is Wasteland, which is funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I was figuring out that the games that I lost were to specifically Wasteland or uh, Winter Orb or Caracas plus, um, plus uh, Lurus. Mm -hmm. So those were like the only three things that I was, uh, that I was uh, losing to. So I started trying to figure out how to beat that. So I went up to four decays and I added Trophy because Trophy is an answer to the Caracas. Um, I went to, I had, I had like five, I think duels. Yeah. I think I have, I had five duels. I went down to three, just like the minimum, the, the bare minimum amount of duels that we can play and just like all basics all the time. And, uh, those little changes ended up being super, super important, especially like engineered explosives added to the sideboard, which Echo Veronin had like extra dead of winters which is fine, but Engineered Explosives can actually destroy Winter Orb, which is kind of a big deal. Chalice too. Um, it, it also destroys Chalice, yeah, exactly. Uh, I didn't find myself losing to Chalice too, too often, though. But, uh, but yeah, so like I, I did like a, a little bit of tuning by myself, and I tried to you know, figure out what, uh, what I was losing to and how I could actually attack that you know how mm. how i can attack my opponent's attack if that makes sense yeah that's, um, that's definitely one of the benefits of like learning a deck more as you figure out what it's bad against and then you start adjusting so okay so here's a question for you so mm -hmm. I, I played a, a good amount against the yorion um snow deck and mm -hmm. at first it was like um you know i was winning some losing some with delver and then i think as the the yorion list got more streamlined it got a little bit tougher but then i made an adjustment which is i started force of willing arkham's astrolabe and abundant growth and then they would just be like you wouldn't be able to cast your spells half the time and so i don't know if it's like necessarily the optimal strategy but i found it to work like way more than i expected it to it's so i don't funny, know if you have any thoughts yeah, on that it's yeah it, it it is not particularly surprising honestly uh, particularly the abundant growth, because abundant growth really forces you into some weird play patterns. Like for example, you have to fetch a basic forest mm -hmm. if you want to cast abundant cast growth. Spells. Yeah. Uh, and, and then like then you're stuck, right? Like now you don't have blue mana, and now all your cantrips don't work, and it, it it's really weird, you know. Um, like worst case scenario, if if they counter your astrolabe, you you probably cast it off off of an island, so you're probably still fine. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really weird how that kind of thing just 
um, can blow you out sometimes. Uh, some other times it's not that problematic, like, and, and that's got, you're just gambling, right? Yeah, you're just you're gambling. Just gambling. Like, it's if like, you have another abundant growth or astrolabe, it's a horrible play. But if you don't, then it could just win the game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's it's basically like you know when you counter the the dark ritual against storm, you know, like one one of those things. Like, do you do you want the dark ritual to resolve, and then your opponent can just do rest the the, the force of will from your hand or something like that? Uh, it's just one of those things that you're kind of like gambling a little bit in that sense, or you are just, I guess it's not so much of gambling as just like analyzing, I guess, looking at your hand, it's just like, can I beat like a functional hand from my opponent or do I need to get lucky? You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, if it's days, probably I would snap it off more often than not. Force is a little bit tougher because, you know, like the second card really matters in the matchup. Um, so yeah, I, I don't... I don't know so much about the force, but like Daisy, Daisy National Aid is definitely a very real play, especially if you were able to like deploy the Elder on turn one. Yeah, it can be awkward to try and go after the mana because their deck's so many removal spells, so the games kind of drag on. So mm -hmm. it's kind of hard. That's the thing about Delver Mirrors now. They, they're actually way less about Wastelands now because basically the way with Luris works is people put more removal spells in their deck and people don't play, and the removal spells work more because in the past, in the Delver Mirrors, the, the removal spells would get turned off more easily because there'd be cards like Gurmag Angler or True Name, etc. But people don't play these threats anymore. So basically, it's it's harder to wasteland because basically games drag on longer because removal spells work more because there's less Hexproof and Shroud. So that's the thing about, you know, wastelanding. You really you have to... If you're going to wasteland, but the game's still going to drag on, you really have to... Like, usually you want to wasteland or, like, be aggressive with these uh, ways to deny their mana if you're already ahead. Because if you're neutral, what if your opponent just plays land? You know what I mean? So you... Mm -hmm. But it's always tight. There's a lot you have to consider. But actually, it's funny because you, you were playing the Legacy Showcase. I actually, I played the Pioneer Showcase, and it was kind of similar because they just... I was playing Inverter, and I was, like, so... I, wasn't, I wouldn't say I was confident, but I wasn't really, you know, I, I liked my deck and I was like, I'm going to play Inverter, it's going to be good, you know. I, I, like, I didn't feel as confident because it's, it's a very 50-50 deck, but I felt like, uh, you know, it definitely, when, when, when I couldn't play Inverter more, I'm like, oh my god, what am I going to play with these companions? And it, it was like one <laughs> week because they released companions on Monday and the tournament was Sunday. So I kind of, I ended up playing Hardened Scales, which was an okay deck. My friend, actually, I tested with one player in the event and he finished second with Scales, so... You know, it worked nice. pretty well, I guess. But um, it was definitely very hard. And I was also, it was like very hard to find a deck because everything I tried was feeling bad. And I was talking to two people who were playing the event and they were all like, yeah, every deck we try feels bad. And I was playing leagues. And at first I was doing really well with scales. So I got confident. I'm like, oh, this deck is so broken. But then I later in the week, people's decks were better. And I lost like every round. I think I went like 1-6 one, one day. And I'm like, okay, I don't think it's broken anymore. You know? <laughs> Uh, it was definitely very hard to, to find a deck because the, all the companions, there's so many companion decks and it was so hard to, I ended up playing scales for a few factors, but I, I definitely don't think it was the best deck. But now the deck that I like in Pioneer is uh, Yorion Inverter, and that's definitely not a deck I would have thought of, you know, in the first week. I, mm -hmm. I think I probably should have played like a Yorion Blue-White Control deck, but it's it's kind of like weird, like Yorion Inverter, the first time I saw it, I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. It's a two card combo. Why do you want a you know, 80 card deck? It, it's definitely very weird the way the companions make you, you know, build your decks. Actually, yeah, can yeah. you explain why Yorion Inverter is good? Like what triggers are you getting off of it? Like, or is it just the fact that like the games go longer and you have more things to do? Well, it's kind of, you know, hard to be confident about it, but basically the thing about Inverter is a deck that's very prone to flooding. 
because you can like let's say you draw inverter and you don't draw oracle or like you draw oracle and you don't draw inverter you can have kind of like virtual dead cards because they're less likely to you know meaningfully impact the game like it's very easy to play inverter and kind of just not be able to use your mana because you don't have the right plays and you kind of flood out and you have all these one for ones and you're top decking pushes and thought seizes like it's, it's very easy to basically like you know not do anything uh, obviously, it might not seem like that when you play against Inverter, but that, it definitely can flood out, basically. Like, you're playing a blue-black control deck. Kind of think about blue-black control if it's in standard, if anybody plays it. Remember with Scarab God and Gearhulk, you know, if you don't draw your... You have all these one-for-ones, but if you don't draw your payoffs, it can get awkward. And Euron basically gives you this free 5-drop, and it sounds kind of weird, but it, it helps so much. Like, it lets you run out your Oracle almost for free, because if you've drawn Inverter, you can re-trigger the Oracle. You have Omens. Uh, you can play Narset or Os of Jace. Or you can like you can play extra omens. You can play like, it basically, it gives you like this free late game in a deck that would flood out easily. And I'll, and that's basically why it helps. And uh, that's basically why. And you're playing an eighty card deck, but it, it's like fine, you know, because there's a lot of Luris aggro decks, and like the meta is more like a sort of inbred in a way. I, I would say one thing about so I tested a lot of Pioneer. I'd say one thing about the format. I realized it's sort of like the Luris decks were bad against the Yorion decks. And the Yorion decks were bad against the combo decks. And the reason was the Luris decks were all these, they were kind of very focused. There were a lot of creatures. And the Yorion decks were just piles of removal and Yorion and value. So that was hard for the Luris decks to beat. And then the combo decks, they would take advantage of the Yorion decks being all removal and unfocused. But then the, the aggro Luris decks would beat the combo decks. And there was some there were some nuances. Like for example, Burn was one of the aggro decks that would be better against Yorion because it's hard to use removal against Burn creatures and Burn spells. But then like Burn was kind of, I felt like, a weaker strategy because the cards are just weak like i tried testing burn and i'm like it's kind of hard to win the game with soul scar mage and wild slash for me you know yeah but it's, it's like so popular <laughs> yeah and and uh, actually i tried a funny burn brew where i had dreadhorde arcanist heart of kiron and rome rock knight because i'm like oh all these cards work together like, it didn't work that well, but I'm like, yeah, so I have Heart of Kirin, and Rimrock Knight can crew it. And Rimrock Knight also pumps my Arcanist, so I can flashback Light up the stage, and it triggers Prowess, and I had Crash Room. I'm like, oh, this is a genius burn deck. Let's just say uh, it didn't go that well in the league. Well, actually, <laughs> it went fine, but I wasn't inspired to try it again. Mm-hmm. I just felt like when my hand was Wild Slash and, and Swift Spear, it wasn't that easy for me to win, but obviously the deck does well. So I realized that kind of about but the, uh, that, 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 that thing about Pioneer, but the thing was that the Inverter deck, was kind of like you could kind of be decent against everything because you could be decent against the Yorion mirrors because actually I was playing blue white Yorion a lot and I liked it and I didn't even like feel you know maybe bad in the mirror but the mirrors would take so long like because I was like the the mirrors would take like one hour when I'm playing a league and you would play so many mirrors and I'm like this isn't really sustainable like I can't really learn this deck like I can't play five hour leagues I mean that's kind of like a bad reason but I just I, I wasn't into it you know it was kind of hard I mean they were kind of fun at first. But there would just be like these like one hour slog fest after and after and I, Hey man, that's, that's where t- I'm at. Like that's why I play Delver and not like control decks because yeah. like yeah, it's really yeah. for me it's hard to identify when there's like twenty permanents on the board, like what matters sometimes. And like if you know what matters you can play towards that, but when you're not sure then you just like you, you don't know what you're doing, yeah. you misplay a lot. So I, I tend to avoid those decks. And like I've seen screenshots of the Pioneer, you know, blue white devotion or blue white blink deck, and they just like have a million permanents in play and I can see why those yeah. those games take forever. Yeah, because like I, eating lunch, so Yeah, yeah, so then that's why I kind of like inverter can end it. That's kind of why, because I was actually I was kind of brewing my own not brewing my own version, but I was making some changes. You know, like, I, I, I took, like, the Blue White Devotion deck and I, like, added some cards. It wasn't, like, big changes, but I was kind of, like, tuning my list and I was liking it. I'm like, oh, this deck feels so good. But then, like, I played against a combo deck, or, I'm, or I play a mirror. I'm like, oh, my whole deck's removal spells. Like, 
this deck's not so broken when I'm not playing against Luris anymore. Like, it was kind of two-dimensional in some ways. It's basically when you had 80 card, you had a bit more in focus. But, uh, yeah, so then I was trying... I, I like the inverted deck. It's definitely not perfect, and it's hard to, you know, build it. When you have an 80 card deck, it's very hard to build it because the thing is, whenever you make a change, you have to think about how it interacts with the rest of the deck. Like, let's say you're like, okay, I want to try the cyborg card. You have to be like... It's just like every change you make interacts with every other, you know card in the deck so it's very and when you have 80 cards you have a lot to think about like when you play 60 cards it's easier to think about okay i'm going to change this and it's going to interact with this but the thing is i have an 80 card deck and i'm like it's really hard to know how much removal spells you want it's really hard to know which removal spells you want it's hard to know like which value spells because when it's 60 cards it's just less to think about so mm -hmm. i'm sure when you were playing maybe it was simpler but I, in legacy i don't know but it's definitely weird you know to 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 play these Yorion decks, it's the, mm -hmm. you have to balance uh, Yorion, a lot of stuff. to me, seems like a card that's good when the metagame, you, like, you know exactly what, what you want to attack, and you can have most of your cards like fill that purpose. But when it's like when there's lots of different linear strategies, it, it just seems like Yorion's a little bit weaker. But Yeah, but, also, or sorry, yeah, but in Pioneer, like, Inverter's still pretty... Uh, Inverter's a pretty proactive deck. You're pretty proactive at using your mana and stuff. And like a lot of the cards you play are kind of generic. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if you're talking about Legacy or, uh, or Pioneer. I'm just talking about Yorion more generally as a card. Yeah. It seems to me like one of the more balanced companions, but it, it still might be too good for Pioneer because, well, I, I guess the problem with Pioneer right now is every deck is a Luris deck or is a Yorion deck or is Lotus Breach. Like, those are pretty much the only three categories of decks that are doing well. Well, there's one Which more. Which is kind of like the same, the same thing that I've seen in Standard, honestly. <laughs> there's one more deck. There's a Zerda Jeskai Cycling. That's actually what Omar was telling you need to play. Uh, Peter P Peter Vieran actually top four to PTQ with Jeskai Cycling. He's a Zerda. It looked pretty good. I tried it and I ought to drop my league and I was off the deck because it made me feel dumb. <laughs> but Omar said he liked it. it. It actually looked. He said he thought it's very under the radar. It's kind of like a Zerda Jeskai Cycling Zenith Flare deck. It has a bunch of counter spells with cycling and it has like four Zenith Flares and Zerda mm. kind of lets you like cycle for like one mana. But well, if we're talking Pioneer, I think there's, like, a clear... Well, I don't want to say Tier 0, because it was just this weekend, but it won, like, all three major events. It won the Super Qualifier and both challenges, and it was the Abzan Rally deck. Uh, and my friend Marcus was playing in it, and I talked to him a little bit about it. And it, he was just like, yeah, people aren't playing Graftigger's Cage or Rest in Peace as, like, real Graveyard Hate. They're playing, like, Damping Sphere. So, like, this Abzan Rally deck was just incredible in the Luris Mirror, because, like, the other people's life total, like... Uh, never really mattered as long as you got your engine going and then you just like instantly like gain so much value and you won and it was like fine against the Yorion decks because removal's bad against it and then well yeah I, I mean I think that Abzan deck's good but I definitely wouldn't say it's broken because I would say it's similar to Amulet Titan it always what well, I mean not to install Amulet Titan but I mean like it has it's, it has some consistency issues with the deck I mean I'm not saying Amulet has consistency issues but what I was trying to say is it can be very powerful but it's not like always gonna, you know, have the best draws. Like it can have some, it can have some issues with the one drops. If you draw too many or too few, it's a big issue. It can, it doesn't have that many mana issues, but it can, it can definitely, like removal is not great against it. But you kind of have to draw. It's kind of like a three piece combo in a way because you want, you kind of want ways to fill your graveyard. You want ways to bring things back, and you generally want like a couple other things going on. So it's not like, I I, pro I played it a bit. I definitely think it's a very good deck, but. It's it's not like a, I don't think it, I don't feel like it's a broken deck because it needs a lot to get going. Like it needs ways to put cards in the graveyard. It needs it wants to rally and then it wants to have like stuff that's relevant to return. Like you only have a few sack outlets in the deck. You have fiend artisan that gets everything together, but it can be a bit slow. 
Um, mm -hmm. You have some Blood Artist, but... but I just feel like Luris kind of ties the deck together because it's just like this thing you can always do and, and start buying back, and yeah. it's like an engine in, in and of itself. Yeah, so, Luris I don't is know. so it good. It seems very powerful to me. Um, obviously, once people start playing you know, more Greybeard Hate, it probably gets a little bit worse, but I mean, for the same deck to take down three tournaments, I thought was kind of insane. Yeah, it was really do dominant. Yeah. It's, Luris is very good with all the self-mill cards, and also because you have synergy... You have more ways to quote unquote cheat with your mana with the Luris because you play all these aristocrats and then you you can get back a blood artist or or like you get more than two mana when you get back a blood artist or you get more than two mana when you get back an aristocrat or etc. Yeah, I guess I guess we we've sort of already transitioned into in the second topic, so we might as well just keep going with it, which is like you know the decks we think are good in each format. And I guess the, we just talked about Pioneer. But um, oh yeah, one question for you, Francisco. Um, I think you mentioned that you like you try to avoid standard and pioneer. I'm just kind of curious uh, uh, why that is. Yeah, so basically, it it kind of started in the beginning uh, when I started playing standard. Uh, it just felt so bad when I had my mono black devotion deck built, and then rotation happened for the first time. I don't know if you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, it happened to me, and I was like, yeah, why am I playing standard? Like my cards just lost so much value. Yep, so I spent, like, I have no idea how much money to, to, to get my paper cards, and I had, like, my Motor Black Devotion, and then it rotated, and I'm like, well, I guess these cards are worth nothing now, cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, in, in terms of, um, in terms of, like, nowadays, like, nowadays, if I wanted to play Standard, I could, right? Like, I, I've been going Infinity Magic Online for, for a while now, but it's just one of those things that, number one, it's just, it it doesn't tickle my fancy basically mm -hmm. like the the play patterns just don't really work with me every now and then i will play like a deck that i'm like oh okay that, that this is fine like the last time that this happened to me was like the sun black tokens deck uh i this was like probably like two years ago at this point but i when i saw that deck i'm like okay this is this is my kind of magic here uh but it's just like usually the like i mean if, if you look at standard for the past two years it was a constant mess, right? We had Oko that needed to be banned, and when you were playing, it was all Oko mirrors. It's just like, I don't know. It just doesn't. It just doesn't do it for me. And then mm -hmm. Pioneer, it was mostly of a matter of I just could never find the deck, right? Mm -hmm. Like so in in Modern, I had I I always had you know Amulet, um, and then in Legacy, I always uh, had Maverick until well now companions made Maverick unplayable. Uh, so now I, I now I'm digging the the control decks. Uh, so like you know there, there's always something that I really liked playing in those formats, and in Pioneer I just could never find it. And when when I finally did, which was the the red green devotion deck, then they banned out Oath of Nissa and the the leyline, mm -hmm. and then the deck again became unplayable and it's just like ugh, this is too many swings for me i'll stick yeah. to what i know and what i like also it's the fact that whenever i try to stream those formats i just don't get the amount of viewers that i usually get when i'm streaming modern or legacy so that definitely has a, has a big, big impact you know because i'm trying to get to be a twitch partner and mm -hmm. every time that i stream something that you know doesn't give me the doesn't get my numbers up it actually hurts uh, a big deal, so... Yeah, I know that feeling. What, what I stream draft once or twice, and I usually get one viewer to zero if, <laughs> if I stream draft or sealed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. It, it, I guess, I mean, for standard and limited, it makes sense, right? Like, everybody, like, why are they going to watch you? They're just going to watch, like, you know, Kibler or LSV play on Arena. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that part's always been tough. But, 
uh, Pioneer has some things going for it, but you did you did touch on one thing, which is like you know the bannings are obviously one thing, but also just the printing of overpowered cards. Um, this one guy I like to follow on Twitter, he runs MTG Elo Project, and he basically mm-hmm. made the observation that Pioneer basically rotated because with the printing of Companions, so many decks became obsolete. Like all the Spirit decks, people stopped playing those. Um, the green devotion decks like you mentioned people stop playing those so exactly. it, it definitely is like a format where it's it's still young and very volatile and like you know who knows if they're going to ban inverter one day then that's completely unplayable so it's I a thought high, they were going to ban inverter format. but then they power crept it i was like i thought they were going to ban inverter like very soon i was actually surprised they didn't ban dig like a month ago mm-hmm. and i didn't expect it to leave the format by power creep i guess now it's yorian inverter but you know what i mean i was like yeah, oh, yeah no, def- for sure for sure, like it's just a format that has too much tweaks. I mean, to be honest, it's just like they have been really messing up. Honestly, like every format has been has rotated like every three months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and some that's... formats are just like it's just like unrecognizable. Like right now, mm-hmm. Legacy is fifty five percent Luris decks, and this card didn't mm-hmm. exist, you know, less than a month ago. So like uh-huh. it's just it's just absolutely ridiculous. So right, let's let's talk about that then. Um, so. Uh, Mark Rosewater, head designer of Magic the Gathering, uh, had a Twitter poll uh, on May 7th, and it was basically, you know, while R&D tries to support innovation and balance, the two often fight with each other. Which of the two do you believe R&D should prioritize? And it was a poll that got um, 16,000 votes, and 59% were for balance, and 41% were for innovation. So I think, like, to me what that says is, like, both of them are, are important, and like, while, you know, ideally you want both, but sometimes, you know, you, you want to decide if you want to take a risk or not. And I think like there, there are just like so many things that they've leaned so hard on the, on the side of innovation, i.e. they've just like power crept and pushed so hard that like a lot of players are very, very upset. And, you know, we've talked about it many times on this podcast, why, you know, power creep's a bad thing, why constant bans are tiring and erode confidence. So I think like, hopefully they finally get this message and like, you know, turn it off for a little bit like i think you know the few years we had before where like playables trickled slowly into modern and legacy like that was much more acceptable like when every set had like an arc like phoenix and assassin's trophy like that was fine but now it's like every set has like a game breaking card uh, it's just like so ridiculous and yeah, yeah exactly you know, tired. i think that they are like the fact that those are like the two things that seem to be separate is what baffles me a little bit because you can have both and it, it like they are not mutually exclusive right uh if you look at a card like brazen borrower for example that uses a new mechanic right it uses the uh what's the name of the mechanic adventure adventure mechanic exactly which was innovative and it wasn't broken right it's mm-hmm. just you are getting an effect which is powerful. I mean, Brace and Borwood did see play in Legacy, right? A, a lot of play and vintage, and yeah. vintage exactly. A lot of play in both of those formats without the without breaking in neither one of those, right? And you have like one card maybe in the format that is, that is like that, and it's perfectly fine. So you you can have uh, innovation without actually having to to throw balance out the window, right? But they have been. They've been slipping, <laughs> slipping up a little bit, especially with companions. I, I honestly have no idea what they were thinking when allowing you to to start the game with eight cards in, their, in your hand. It's 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 so silly to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, now I everyone think the sees how I feel. Companions could have been balanced better. It's just like Lurus is so ridiculous with 
bubbles and maybe they yeah. couldn't foresee it. I mean, they always have this excuse. They're like, oh, yeah, we're testing for standard. But then um, well, I broke standard, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. They broke That's standard, a too. And then Danny, they broke draft, too. A really good point about uh, Dom Harvey's tweet. You want to share that? Oh, yeah. But I also want to say broke limited, too. I mean, sorry to like, for example, there was a sealed mocks this weekend and I usually like playing sealed and draft a lot. And mm -hmm. maybe this is a good format, but I have no desire to have my opponent reveal a companion and limited, and I don't reveal a companion. Like I'm like I'm not gonna play this sealed event, and if I don't reveal a companion, I'm just dead. Like that seemed like ridiculous to me. But okay, I'll get to the Dom Harvey thing. So uh, yeah, I saw Dom Harvey actually. He he retweeted or whatever, or he replied and he said, "Okay, but you say this, but is it really true?" Be or he said, "What cards were fun and standard or draft, but ended up breaking legacy and modern?" Like, do you, do you see what I mean? Because you're saying we want to print cards for standard that are fun, but we're worried that we're going to break the eternal formats. Mm -hmm. So he was saying, like, what cards did it actually do this? And I actually, I had a, maybe you, you can think of um, examples. I couldn't think of too many except for, like, Siege Rhino, which I wouldn't say broke modern, but I remember uh, people were used to say it was, you know, very powerful in the pod deck. People were kind of annoyed about it in modern. I don't know mm -hmm. how many people said it. I was kind of newer to Magic back then, but I definitely remember my local game store. Everyone would complain about Siege Rhino constantly in modern. So I think it's people kind were of funny complaining about back. that card in standard a lot because they're just like, this is such a dumb card. Like, it's no, but like, I don't yeah. think it was that. I think it was fine. I mean, maybe it looks back, but like if you watch like, I don't feel like Siege Rhino was too good in standard. I mean, maybe it was, maybe it was boring, but it was kind of like Grey Merchant. Like people always like complained about it, but I didn't feel like it was the, it was, you know, it was kind of like a four or five for four mana and people were playing Elspeth Sun's Champion and Corsair of Crufix. And, you know, Ugin. I mean, maybe Siege Rhino was too good for standard, but I always felt it was a bit overrated, kind of like Grey Merchant of Asphodel. Like, people would complain I, I, about I it. I don't think it was too good. I just don't think it was fun. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah. it was that... Well, it was fun. I feel like it was fun because I feel like, personally, I'd like to cast Siege Rhino, you know, get my three colors on, get, cast my powerful spell, but maybe I'm in the minority there. I mean, I guess it's not yeah, really a I, fun card, but I just like casting good cards that are simple to use because it makes my brain not have to do too much work. Yeah, you, don't, you can't misclick <laughs> with a Siege Rhino. I mean, I mean it appeals to me to just have a good vanilla card. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to cast this. But I guess I might be in the minority there. But, no, yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a different thing, though. Like, Siege Rhino is it, it's a great example in terms of it's a matter of the context, right? Like, there, there are a couple of things that go into it. Like, if you're playing a Siege Rhino, Siege Rhino is fine in power level, but how hard is it to cast it? Like, how good is the mana? Are, are you always going to be able to cast your Siege Rhino effortlessly? Or is it going to be like, you know, um, like Invasion Limited mana, right? If, you, if, you're, if Siege Rhino was in Invasion, I mean, that's, I guess, a bad example because the, the creatures that format suck. But I'm trying to say, like, if you are struggling to, to cast your Siege Rhino, then the card becomes a lot worse. And then what is... What is the context in which you're casting Siege Rhino? Like, are you casting Siege Rhino when your opponent is casting Lurus? And because <laughs> uh, if that's the case, then Siege Rhino is going to not have the the better part of that. Of that well, it's so uh, funny brawl, because you know? Lurus is like a Siege Rhino that you like always have, but it also draws you a card every turn and costs one beer mana because it also exactly. drains for three every turn. <laughs> like, it's just so yeah. ridiculous. Well, actually, yeah, a, a couple months ago, my friend was telling me that it's funny Siege Rhino aged kind of like the Juzum Jins because you know, like the Jins when they came out, they were super powerful. They were like these vanilla four drop creatures that were like four fours. And it's like look back at Siege Rhino. It looks like a Juzum Jin at this point. But, uh, yeah, exactly. Like I would say, it's like I feel, I feel like Siege Rhino was always a bit overrated. Like it was just a four-five trampler that drains three. It was obviously a fine card. But I mean, I meant in the example that he was saying, like, what cards were like you know f fun and standard in draft, but broke a trap? Because there actually aren't that many examples if you think about it. I mean, I think there's Mystic Sanctuary was maybe you could say fun in draft, and it kind of I think was kind of a 
kind of broke modern, I would say. I mean, I mean, they just have bro- to I mean, make it people have different right? opinions, like- <laughs> but it feels like it definitely, you know, was a bit, it's a bit bro- bordering broken with cryptic command. I mean, I don't know, maybe because you said you like modern a lot. I mean, I like modern a lot too right now, but I feel like Mystic Sanctuary is kind of a card that uh, is a pet peeve of mine, but maybe, maybe it's good. I don't know. Maybe more, maybe people like it. I feel like it makes games more repetitive, repetitive and and you kind of get like this, it feels like too much, but I just I don't, don't like that it's a free end game for all the cryptic command decks is a fetch land plus a cryptic command. Like that card's already like really powerful and then they just like have a built-in end game for well, it. Well, it just feels like game. annoying because then they just, you know, rebuy their Wrath of God. Like the first time I was like, why did they print this? Was I was playing as Miracles and Legacy and they terminus back their Mystic Sanctuary. And I'm like, what is this? Because my hand, I remember my hand was two Tarmogoyfs. Yeah, I, I was I was really playing Legacy. I'm not making up this story. And my hand was two Tarmogoyfs. <laughs> And my options were maybe cast that's one why you lost two. Daniel. And the problem is they could Mystic Sanctuary back Terminus, but if I cast one, they could just like Mystic Sanctuary like ponder and then find a Jason Mind Sculptor. And I'm like, why am I getting mm-hmm. and they were like hellbent. I'm like, why am I getting squeezed by this land? So of course my answer was ban it immediately because I couldn't beat it. So no but <laughs> I, <laughs> No but oh, yeah, I would say I feel like twenty nineteen, like the, one of the things that was I think peeves me the most about it is that there's so many cards that I feel make gameplay worse. I mean, maybe I'm wrong about some of yeah. them, but there's so many cards like maybe maybe Malta Fairy isn't a card that makes it worse, but like cards like Narset, I just like this card a lot because it just feels like like kind of like Leovold, like oh I'm just locked out of the game because they you know play their prison card and there's uh, maybe Karn's a good design, maybe it's just because I lose to it too much, you know. But I feel like there's all these cards that kind of made there's cards like Veil of Summer and there's cards like uh, yeah there's so many there's so many cards that you know you kind of want banned or you could say like Astrolabe or there's so many of these cards or you could say Uro or like. There's so many of these cards that it's hard to to point at one of them because there's so many of them. But yeah. I, I will say there was some there was some good design last year. I wasn't all bad, obviously. But that's just one of the frustrating things that you're like, okay, I want to ban this card, you know. But there's so many cards that, and it feels like they're all kind of taking over Legacy. Like there's so many cards that it feels like you know they're kind of making Legacy different. I mean, so now you kind of have to be like, do you want to accept the game is different? And now I see a lot of people on Twitter are even saying about companions. So like we have to accept, you know, companions completely change magic. Like Planeswalkers, we might have companions in every set. Or stuff like this. I mean, we don't know what it's going to be, but I just mean it feels like now there's like no, it's it's almost no return and to an old older style of magic where you know threats took a longer time to kill. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, mean that's Max what... Max Gilmore made a good point about that. He's like threats used to be between Moldrifters and Baneslayer Angels. Like Baneslayer <laughs> Angels were incredibly powerful, but you could answer them one for one. Or Moldrifter was like you know you you got card advantage and that would win the game over time. But then, you know, you would have time to, like, catch up, basically, since their card didn't beat you immediately. And now cards are, like, mm-hmm. fucking, like, Uro, and it's just, like, both cards in one. It's like, what the fuck do you do? Yeah. You instantly lose. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty I want to say one point, because one thing I feel like when people say the golden age of modern quotes, I mean, some people say, oh, it wasn't actually that good back then. But one thing that I liked about it is that it would take threats a while to close the game. Or that was even in general in standard, because now the threats close so quickly. I mean, there's a lot of different factors for it, but... Like, back in the old modern days when you play 2013, like, there would be, like, uh, like, it was kind of hard to, to actually, you know, close the game. Like, the best threats were, like, Tarmogoyf. Like, I would say, like, an in, in, indication of that is Jace the Mind Sculptor. Like, personally, I dislike that card because it's just, it's a card that you just cast it and, like, instantly wins the game and it just closes his door. I, I'm more of somebody who likes to grind it out with Jace Architect of Thought. I kind of miss, like, when you play Electrolyze and you're trying to mise value. Obviously, it's a very different system. Like, they've obviously started designing cards more, so, like, you flood less. The threats just end the game quickly. But, you know, like, used to, used to, like, in the old standard, like, I was actually recently playing 
old standard was my friend Isaac, and because he wanted to play like old mono blue devotion against mono black devotion, and I couldn't believe <laughs> like how much worse the cards were. Like I was casting like uh, judges familiar into you know like like terrible four and five drops. Like you know, I mean they're not terrible. Desecration demon was good, but you would play like the cards were so much worse, and it would take so much longer to win the game. You know, like I remember for example one of the decks that top aided one of the Saros PTs was Paul Rietzel, he was playing a white-black deck with four ores of Gilgates, and it was like Satsi's removal spells, and he had Hero of the Present one, which is like a white-white two-drop that makes tokens when it hits. Like, if you just think about the threats then, compared to the threats now, you have cards like Nissa, which it's hard to answer because it makes a 3 3 or like Hydroid Crisis or Uro. It's just like, it's much easier to close the game, so you get way less of those games where you scra scrape for value. Um, mm -hmm. But, so it's kind of, and it feels like, th those were kind of interesting. Like, also, that's one thing about Uro, why it's so annoying. It's because it feels like now when you play against control decks, you can't really go toe to toe with value because Earl is kind of like almost infinite mana sync for free. Like obviously it's not actually an infinite mana sync for free, but it's very hard to outvalue it in the way you could miracles in the past. So you know you could actually get them hellbent and then you know, you know, and actually win by that. But now if they have Earl, you don't really have ways to interact with Earl. You might have Nile Spellbomb or Pyroblast and stuff. But what I mean to say is like it's very hard to actually like you know interact with Earl in such a way to grind them. Like it's very hard to outgrind a card like you know. Uro or in standard Hydro Crisis or etc. It's definitely a shift in design, you know. It's tough too because like, how do they get out of this? Like, I mean, I'm not as pessimistic as you. I think in Legacy, if they banned, you know, two or three or four cards, I think maybe we could get, get back to a, a, a better format. Um, but then in terms of like standard, like they would need a power creep way down, and then the next few sets will like. You know, why would you play cards in the next few sets when you could just play like Eldraine block cards or Ikoria block cards and just crush those new sets? So yeah. it's going to be a very, like, it's, they've dug themselves a hole and it'll be tricky to get out of. Well, I think the gameplay isn't that bad in all the formats, but it's just like the the design's very different. It's also because the gameplay is different. Like, for example, I I would say the standard hasn't been great recently, but I've, I've actually, a lot of people said they enjoyed the standard last year to play it. And I think it was like fine, like right before Ikoria or Theros, or maybe Theros was out, I was playing like Teamer Adventures in Standard and I thought that deck was pretty fun to play. I didn't love how like so many of the cards were samey. Like I heard Ben White's one time, he said the problem with Standard is that all the decks are kind of trying to do the same thing, which is double their mana, because you have Fires of Adventure decks, you have Wilderness Reclamation decks, then you have like uh, Lucky Clover decks, or you have Mono Red with Embercleave. Like they're all kind of trying to do very similar things by doubling their mana, by sticking their engine card. But some of the gameplay could be uh, interesting. And I actually, I like playing Legacy a lot right now. It's just very unbalanced. I right. think. And also, it's personally me. Like, maybe a lot of people don't like the current Legacy. But but it's just because the way that they design cards is kind of scary, indicative of what they're going to be doing in the future. And also, it's just like, if you, like, go watch old Magic coverage, it, it was just so different. Obviously, the game's changing. It's not going to stay the same. Mm -hmm. But... It's definitely, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I just think, like, when they banned Oko, they were just like, we didn't do anything wrong. Like, yeah, we got Oko wrong, but, like, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep power creeping. And I was just like, oh, my face just palms so yeah. hard. And I'm just like, I really want them to just admit their mistakes and that, like, power creep is not how this game should go forward. But, you know, who knows if they will or not. Well, I heard... Pressing. Oh, sorry to I, uh, keep talking. Were you about to say something? Uh, I saw no, you you're, opening you're your mouth. Good. I no, no, you're good, Daniel. Go. Okay. I was just going to say, because actually I was listening this summer. I guess it might, Morrow might have changed his mind, but Mark Rosewater has a podcast, and I was listening to the episode where he was talking about Modern Horizons uh, draft, because I really like that format. So he had a, a few episodes where they were talking about how they designed all the cards. It's actually funny, because he, when he mentioned Hogak, 
like a quick story. He was like, oh, I love mix and matching mechanics. Like Convoke and Delve or something. And I guess that was before Hogak was super broken. I'm like, oh, I see how it got printed, <laughs> you know? But he was like, I love, it's my favorite thing. But so I thought that was pretty funny, but um, he was talking about, he's like, oh, power, he's like, power creep doesn't, it's not really a problem in game design. He says, uh, gamers always come to me and they say power creep's an issue. But here's the thing, what we do is we make, what we do is it's kind of, um, you know those like illusory paintings where it looks like the staircase is always going upwards? Mm-hmm. If, so he said that's how power creep is because he says what we do is we make one thing more powerful and we take power away somewhere else. So it always looks like it's going up, but in reality it's staying the same. And he was saying it's like those paintings where it looks like a staircase is always going up, but it's like in a circle, circular way or something. So I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So that's their plan. But obviously it's divorced from reality because if you just watch Standard from five years ago, people were casting Judges Familiar and, and Srag Tusk. You know what I mean, and and that stuff like that. Man. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely very, very, very different, but, and it, I it, mean, it's I, one of those things that yeah, what Bob was saying is is the most uh, problematic thing in my opinion, like the fact that now there's no way back, right? Like now, they, I mean, they're they're a business, right? Like they have to make money, they have to sell packs, that's what they do, and uh, you know, I don't know how like. If the idea is to sell packs, then I guess that the only option would be for them to make like an absolutely killer, incredible limited format that people will just kind of like go out of their way and they will be willing to like not get any value, quote unquote, you know, when you are when you're opening your packs and like no rare drafting whatsoever. Um, but and, and they just assume that for the next year or something, basically the standard decks are going to look exactly the same without any real innovation. Um, and then we start over like two years from now. That's that's like that's the only way out of this. Yeah, I mean yeah. they're definitely not going to do that because they want people to be excited about the sets and, exactly. and be surprised by them. And but but that being said, like I'm not sure it's like hopeless. Like I think like the key is you know if if they just make threats less snowbally and cost them higher, like no more three mana snowball effects. And I mean, they did try to do that for a while. Like when Lanowar L's in the format, they tried to like avoid snowball cards like Oko, but then, you know, once the Lanowar's L's was gone, they started printing those again. I don't know. I mean, there definitely is a way to take a step back, but the first thing they need to do is admit that like they their design philosophy has had an issue for the past two years. So yeah, when they do sure. that, then, then we can move forward. Yeah, and, and it's, it's one of those things that it, 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 all of these cards, um, it, it's really funny, but it's just they're one thing away from being okay, right? Let's say that Oko had been a minus instead of like the medium ability would have had been a minus or like the opening loyalty had been like two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they were, all of these cards were just one little number away from being just fine. Like, like Teferi, like, I don't know, just like being the other way around, right? You need to plus it in order for your opponent to not be able to interact with you. And the passive is that you can play sorceries like instants or whatever. Although that would still be pretty broken. So maybe that's a bad example. But um, what I'm saying is like, they are so close. Like the the idea is maybe fine, right? The the idea is okay. But then the execution is just extremely poor. And that's what it's up breaking things. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would imagine that it, it would have to be with, some some change in philosophy in that sense, you know, instead in terms of like, okay, so we like this idea, we like this concept, how can we be make more conservative it fun? basically? Like, yeah, make you know, make stuff like Oko cost four mana, make Renin Six cost more mana, or mm-hmm. like less loyalty. Yeah, like all those tweaks definitely would have helped for a lot of cards. 
Exactly. Uh, I'm not sure how much it would have helped for the companions because that's just like an ability that's that just like was uh, something else. Yeah, yeah, but even even with the companions, like if you make lures that you cannot cast, you cannot play any card whatsoever. That's bigger than two, for example. So now your Delver decks cannot play Force of Will. They cannot play like any forces at all and like stuff like that. Um, Yorion is like I, I for I, I don't know how you fix Yorion though. A hundred card deck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yorion's no, fine in Legacy. He, 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 I, I'll, I'll stand by that. I don't think Yorion's particularly great in Legacy. Um, in Pioneer, it's, it definitely seems to be more of an issue. And Standard in Pioneer, it's definitely dominating those formats. And still yeah, sees play. It's, it's, it's a little bit too much in Standard. Like, right it's, it's very dominating in Pioneer because you just feel there's no good recourse. Like, the thing is, if you're playing an aggro, if you're playing creatures in Pioneer, it feels very hard to have any recourse against Luris deck, or against Yorion decks, because their decks are just piles of removal spells and value in Yorion. So that's why it's kind of frustrating when you're trying to play Luris decks. And in, in obviously, like, there's de like the Orion decks aren't dominating Pioneer completely. There's other decks. But it's like, let's say you're like, oh, I want to play, you know, mono, like, you want to play an aggro deck. It's just like, oh, their deck is just piles of removal and value. Like, there's not really a, a good way to combat that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it's kind of, you're kind of helpless, you know? Yeah. But yeah. But I, I, I will say, I don't feel, um, to, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like Teferi isn't like the the worst defender. I mean, like I kind of see it kind of like a bitter blossom card, kind of like the best, you know, it's kind of like the best card in standard. Like it's obviously broke very good. I mean, maybe it's broken, maybe I'm underrating a bit, but I feel like it's a it's I see it closer to like a card like bitter blossom that's like oh, they have, you know, cuz bitter I mean, I guess bitter blossom obviously, obviously feels much less powerful, but I can imagine imagine playing standard and you go like you just play turn two bitter blossom and you're dead. I feel like the fairy's kind of similar to that or I feel like every card format kind of has a most powerful card. And Teferi's, people say it's kind of annoying because it stops instant speed stuff. But I, I think that's the problem with, with Teferi. It's the fact that it's not that broken, right? It's just like, it, it, it just creates and it encourages a play pattern that basically just nullifies part of a strategy. And so that that's even worse, actually, in my opinion. Like, it, it would be much easier if Teferi was just completely busted. Like, if it were two mana instead of three. And they can be just like, okay, we'll just ban this and just get be done with it. But it's at a power level that is not bannable. But it's it's so bad. Like if you're playing a control mirror, like control mirrors were used to be probably one of the most exciting uh, kind of magic that you could play. There was a lot of resource management. You need to manage your mana. You needed to manage uh, which cards matter and which cards doesn't. You need to manage your card uh, when when you're cantripping. When are you countering your opponent's uh, card advantage spells? Now it just doesn't matter. Like you just play it to fairy on three. And the game is over because like your opponent is going to counter everything that you do. There's nothing that you can do. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's so... The play patterns are just so stupid, right? Yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> they they I just dumb down the Narset game so bad. Too, especially. That's why I dislike exactly. so much. I feel like exactly. very similar. Yeah. Obviously, it's... yeah, I see why you mean to fairy. Mm -hmm. it, it, it definitely makes you not want to play Absorb anymore. Exactly. Sure. And, that, and that's the problem when you're like... You want to play your control deck, but it's just like, oh, it is a control mirror. Well, I guess that I'm on the draw, so I'm just going to cyborg out all of my counter magic in the control mirror, which is like, yeah. it, like it, it forces you to do things that are completely stupid and that they cannot, in my opinion, they just dumb down the game a little bit too much. It, while at the same time your opponent is getting value from the fairy, right? Like it's it's yeah, not it's, it's, they're they're drawing cards or they're like bouncing their own like oath of Thassa or like something or you know. Stuff like that, and uh, Omen of the Sea, sorry, it's not a whole of Tessa. Uh, they're bouncing their own omens and stuff, and they're like drawing even more cards, and you are just sitting there without even being able to interact at all with, with what your opponent's doing. They're just like 
steamrolling you and, and it, it actually I actually felt this a lot when I was I was playing a, a four color control Lurus deck yesterday and my opponent was playing a Yurion deck and I had like I had my discard spells, I had my, my counter magic and I was ready to go and then I I played something and then my opponent on the next turn they had a Teferi with Veil and I lost the game on the spot. <laughs> my hand now was, uh, you know, like uh, a mana leak and a cryptic command, and uh, the, the game was over. Because <laughs> my card just didn't do anything anymore. Yeah, um, it's true. I think also one thing about Teferi that's kind of silly and standard is it just stops cards that it feels like it shouldn't. Like, you have Wilderness Reclamation, now, your whole, now most of your deck doesn't work. You have Finale exactly. of Promise. Exactly, or, sorry, or like Bloodbraid Elf with Cascade or something like that. Yeah, or like <laughs> Dreadful like... Arcanist, the finale of Promise. It just stops so many uh, mm -hmm. interactions randomly. Which it's is, it's uh... so stupid. Yeah. It's so, so, so stupid. It... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been, we keep getting ourselves more and more depressed. Let's talk about something <laughs> that I think is a little bit better right now, possibly because of the companions, and that is the modern format. I think, like, we all know, kind of, we touched on how you know, they've kind of disrupted Legacy, Vintage, um, Pioneer, but Modern, weirdly enough, might be, like, the best home for the Companions, because they haven't really taken over the format. Like, yes, Lurus is, like, in a lot of decks. Like, it's in Burn, it's in the Black Green X decks. Uh, Daniel mm -hmm. just top eight a Super Qualifier with Black Green, so I'd like to hear about that. But it's, like, those decks are, like, fundamental Modern decks, if you will, and they were, like, not that good recently, and now that they have, like, another angle of attack, like, that's a lot better. And the Yorion decks in Modern are, like, powerful but then you know they're somewhat weak depending on the linear strategy you use against them so it's, it's the format where i feel like luris and urion are, are good but they're maybe they're not like in absolutely insane and maybe there's other problems with modern but i don't know i feel like it's in an interesting spot right now yeah i, I think that modern is by far the best format right now like i i, I don't think it's particularly close and it's it's big precisely because of what you're saying bob which is just the companions have not completely taken over uh, even though they're very good and you see them a lot uh, I, I my theory is that it's a matter of a couple of things first of all like the power level is not as high as it is in legacy and vintage of the cards overall the card pool overall um so like you're not forced like if you're playing lurus and you have access to lurus like why would you play anything else, right? It's so the cards are so much better than everything everything else that you could be playing because you have access to brainstorm, you have access to ponder, you have access to wasteland, you can play your delvers and your dreadhorde arcanist. Um, so like your cards are just so much powerful than everything else, and they work so well together. Um, and also it's because, and overall I feel like the 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 value engines that modern has access to can actually somehow keep up with the companion's value engine. Like if if you, like, Primeval Titan is not really playable in Legacy, but it is playable in Modern, and a Primeval Titan can actually keep up in value with Allurus, right? Mm -hmm. So that is the big difference between both formats. It's just like, all the other formats don't really have this. All the other formats don't really have cards that you can actually keep up with in terms of in terms of power level, because unless they're like a combo deck, but those combo decks are in legacy rendered kind of useless by force of will and and or like they're they're hindered, I guess is mm -hmm. is a way to say it, uh, by cards like force of will and stuff like that, or like in in the in the 
in the case of something like Reanimator, ley lines and whatnot. And you don't really have that in, in modern. Like in modern, you can play Neobrand, and now your Yurion opponent will struggle even more to find one of their three forces of, of bigger, or of, of negation, sorry. Um, so, um, same thing without Adnacion, right? Or like decks like that. Um, mm-hmm. Like, there they, are ways to attack these, uh, you know, fair, fair nonlinear decks. So mm-hmm. like there's there's more counterplay like you can go over the top of them you can go under them like and that's what magic's about it's like it's when there's different angles of attack that makes it interesting. Yeah, exactly, and also like we see more Lurus decks in modern than in literally any other format, right? Which is which is another aspect of it. So even though you're always playing against the same stupid card, at least you don't get all the information when you're like if you're playing in if you're playing legacy and your opponent reveals lures at the beginning of the game you know you're playing against against delver like it's probably like 80 percent or more that you're going to be playing against delver and or maybe some like adenausian player that <laughs> right. some hardcore adenausian player out there or something um but if you're playing it in, in modern your opponent could be playing burn they could be playing uh, black green rock or jund they could be playing boggles they could be playing hardened scales um, so like it's a lot more diverse which even though you're always playing against the same card and you are you know the, the the way that we get there is going to be different basically uh, but they're all kind of playing towards the same thing in the end because like Lurus just wants you to play towards the late game a little bit uh, but you're you're getting there in different ways and the the, the path there is going to be different against every single deck mm-hmm. uh, but yeah what do you guys think is good in modern right now uh, the Mono Red Prowess deck is probably the best deck I mean Red White Prowess deck I guess mm-hmm. uh, that's probably I would say the best deck in the format um, alongside the burn deck, but I think the prowess deck is is significantly better. Um, so I would say that that is the the number one deck probably. Uh, and then I would Do you think also the, the white is better than the black. Yes, yes, I think so. It's I've better than the mirror because you have core firewalker. Exactly, uh, and I, I also see like the the new tech, which I actually saw today for the first time, which is seeker of the way. Apparently oh, like that's that like <laughs> that is that is apparently the new tech to to have the edge in the mirror <laughs> when you're playing the prowess mirror, which I thought it was hilarious. And so I, I do think that is probably the, the the single best deck in the format. And then you have access to like the Wurosa decks I still think are very good. Uh they kind of have fallen a little bit. Um but I think those those are still pretty good. The um the scapeshift deck that people have been playing, I think it's pretty solid. Uh, is definitely underexplored, uh, and that is like basically your ban- um, sorry Timor Scrapeshift with uh, Yorion, mm-hmm. which is which is pretty cool. Um, so those are nice, and then I would probably consider Primeval Titan decks to be tier one slash one point five somewhere in there. Um, even though you know they're always uh, my, my my folks, you know, are are always very underrepresented. We, we're a proud bunch, though. We're a proud bunch. <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> yeah, how do you feel I, about I, the positioning of uh, Black Green X decks? Are you asking me or are you asking Daniel? Uh, I guess I was asking Daniel, but curious to hear your thoughts as well. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I think they're pretty they're pretty good. I think that Lurus really helped. And uh, it's really funny how Liliana was always the card that this deck were always built around. 
And now that they're not playing it, they actually have access to like cards that they were not able to play before, which are which are, can be pretty good. Like for example, I was playing against uh, John the other day with a control deck, and my opponent played Veil, and I'm like, oh, that's right. Now they can play that. <laughs> no, now they can play Veil of Summer. Okay, <laughs> that, that 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 got me pretty good. That got me pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but uh, yeah, like Lurus is just such a silly engine and c coupled with Colligan's Command and Unearth um, so you can always get, keep getting it back it, it can be it can be a really really big deal and it's basically like Liliana but the other way around instead of making your opponent discard every turn you are just drawing more cards in your opponent every turn um, so you can just basically <laughs> yeah if you have something to like let you keep trading like something like Assassin's Trophy exactly Field of Ruin you just pull ahead Mm -hmm, exactly. So yeah, I think that the the Black Green X decks are in a fine, in really fine shape right now in modern, which hasn't been true in a, in a while actually. Um, I mean, you you would see Willie Adele just doing well at this event, so over and over. But you know, he's he's Willie Adele, right? <laughs> it's, right. It's not just the one guy anymore. Exactly. And now now other people are actually, you know, you see uh, Jund and even Black Green decks. Even though, like, I I have seen more Jund because of the interaction with Ren. Obviously, like Lurus interacts very very nicely with Ren, uh, being able to 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 get it back for insane amounts of value. Um, so that that's kind of a big deal, and also they are, I think they're better in the blue matchups. Like John is better in the blue matchups because of the card royal, uh, which which is a which is a big deal. And otherwise, you know the, the the blue decks are pretty good at outpowering the the black green decks overall. But yeah. Yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel about that, Daniel? I was gonna say I just wanted to put one thing because we were talking about companions, like how modern was one of the better formats for it. But I feel one thing that's kind of interesting is because companions are kind of fun right now, but then we have to ask the question, like, for the long term, like, it's it's kind of weird to always have an eights card in hand. Like, I would say, personally, I've been enjoying it, but it's just, like, very different. Like, you, you could sort of say, like, when Planeswalkers came out or, or something, some big change like this, it's like, do we want to, you know, play Magic where we always have this eights card commander in hand or not? Personally, I've been enjoying it, but it's just very different. But uh, I would say for Modern, I've been playing mostly black green because I like that it's pretty consistent. Like it doesn't really have that much of a fail rate. You, like you, you. I mean, in the past, I actually used to feel Jund wasn't consistent in modern because of mana issues. Because basically, I felt like if you play like for example Jund like two years ago, I felt like you had a lot of mana issues because you didn't have any way to smooth your draws. For example, most decks had serum visions or faceless looting or ancient stirrings. So they had a lot of ways to smooth their draws. And most decks had mana, like better mana sinks. And like most decks, like they, if they miss, like, like basically John, the mana base acted like a standard deck where you just hope you had land drops and you hope you didn't draw too many. And that was that. But now you have, uh, um, now I feel it's a bit different. I mean, obviously I've been playing black green, so I don't have Ren and six, but I feel like it's more, I'm more okay with this cost because my curve is really low. I can basically operate off of two lands, like a Delver deck and you play Bobble, which helps a bit, but it's, it's basically that the fact that the, you don't, the deck plays, uh, more like a Delver deck or the fact that you always have access to a free Bob makes you much more consistent in a way. It's much harder to flood. Obviously you're playing Luris here, so your opponent's also going to have Luris. So you could say, well, you're still going to flood in that way. But, like, basically in the past, I felt Jund wasn't actually a consistent strategy because everybody had all these mana ways that fix smooth their mana. So, like, most people wouldn't lose to their own mana base, where when you play Jund, I felt you lost a lot of games to your own mana base, basically. So that, I had that big issue in the past. But now I feel like I like the Black Green next because I feel like they're pretty consistent. Like, most of your cards, if your opponent interacts with you, you're not going to, you know, 
like most of your cards are usually pretty effective. Obviously, that's it's not a hundred percent true because you can have push against like a, uh, a deck where it's not effective, or like your cards just don't line up and you lose. But I feel like the deck's pretty consistent. Like you don't have a fail rate. You usually get a you know cast your spells and the games drag on a bit, and you got to make a lot of uh, you know quote unquote interactive choices. So I like that uh, style of gameplay. I don't know if it's the best deck, but I feel like it's pretty consistent and powerful. You don't have haymakers. You know you're. Like, you have some weird cards. Like, the deck I played today had four Hex Drinker and four Grim Flayer. Like, it's kind of weird. I don't know if it's good or not. Uh, it's felt fine to me. Like, it's kind of hard to say that's the best thing to do. You don't, you know, Assassin's Trophy always felt like kind of a bad card, but you're just playing it because there's not really better options. And, um, but like, the reason I like the deck is it's, uh, you just gotta play fair games of Magic with it. And I just personally like that. But it would be hard to say it's the best deck, but it's like pretty consistent. Like a lot of decks, they like a lot of modern decks, the way they lose is a lot of them are very linear and they kind of have this linear game plan that can sometimes fall apart or sometimes it doesn't line up well. Whereas if you play the black green decks, your deck, I guess in a way you could you could say it's linear, but it's more like you kind of just play like uh cards and, and see what happens. That's why personally I like it, but mm -hmm. it's hard I, to say. I, I have like the yeah. exact opposite feeling, which is I always want to be playing like the most degenerate thing oftentimes. <laughs> so usually in modern I play Neobrand. I actually just finished a league of it and it's just like so inconsistent sometimes. Like the number of times I've had like turn one Grizzlebrand and off Summoner's Pact and then I whip and then I die. I'm just like uh makes me really want to not play the deck sometimes. But uh, I think it might actually be decently positioned because of the fewer force of negations running around people aren't playing like ashiok anymore either uh, since they're playing mm -hmm. luris so mm -hmm. i think it might be decently positioned but like i can never tell with the deck because i either like destroy everybody or just like draw a bunch of cards and fizzle so um it's definitely a deck i think should not exist in modern and should probably be banned but um i'm we just gonna there. mess around with it if I'm not <laughs> yeah i actually seriously. uh in the PT gear today in round three, I lost on turn one to Neoform, and I was getting pretty heated about it. I mean, I wasn't like salty, but I was like, my opponent, so game one, I won, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, oh yeah, I beat Neoform, ha ha ha. Then game two, they turn one me, and I'm like, oh my god, how is this deck legal? What the hell is this, you know? <laughs> and every time I play, but it's definitely interesting. I mean, it, it was just like, the, like when they turn one you sometimes, you're like, how is this legal in the format? But it's definitely, yeah, like, I game just, three, I they mold, I'm like, oh yeah. Better. Like, this is not something that should be allowed. But, and it, yeah. it's already like it's top aided some PTQs and like it, they're still they not doing anything one. about it until it has like a high win rate. Like that should I not know be it's the top only. At least two. That should not be like the only like decision for whether or not a card gets banned. It doesn't need to have a high win rate. If it shouldn't exist, it, it shouldn't exist. I mean, they already banned uh, top because it was a problem, right? In terms of uh, the play patterns, not so because of the the power level thing. Even though it was like probably the best deck in the format at the, at the point, but like they they banned top because of that, right? So like, why are we allowing a deck that kills on turn one in a format without force of will? Is it, it just it's beyond me? I have no idea, and I will never understand what what they have in mind for. <laughs> for yeah, I just, I just don't think formats. they do like. I don't know. Like they could be more, a little bit more diligent. And other people made the point that it's like, hey, if you're okay with ruining older formats to help standard, then like, okay, yeah, but you need to be ready to like fix the older formats with bannings when they become mm -hmm. messed up. And that's why a lot of people, you know, they anticipated an announcement today, nothing happened, and you know, who knows, who knows when it's going to come? It could be, a, you know, next week or it could be like two months from now, because like they're like, oh, maybe we don't need to ban anything because there's no paper magic. But like, I don't know. The formats are are gradually getting more and more stale. At least. You know, all of them except for Modern. Um, modern seems fine right now, but the other formats are, are going to be stale real soon. Yeah, yeah, for well, sure. Well, I think that one thing that's interesting, it's just that 
I th I, the formats are definitely very unbalanced now, but the thing is we're kind of unsure about the direction of the future of how they're designing. So we don't know what balance really means because we don't know what, well, we know what balance means, but we don't know for the designers of the game what they think is balanced. So we don't really know how the future, how it's going to be. Like, is this what they consider balanced the way things are now? Because a lot of players are like, this is very unbalanced, but like maybe they consider cards like Narset and so unbalanced. So that's kind of what's one of the weird questions now is we're not sure what they mean by balance. So like companions were like, these are very unbalanced, but maybe... Like, maybe are they going to ban all companions, or maybe are they going to make more companions? Like, it's just unsure. Like, the definition of balanced is kind of in the air now, which kind of makes things weird. Well, Mario said, like, yeah. quote-unquote, design space was limited, so they won't do more companions. So that's that's something, at least. Well, I mean, when you're talking about balance, though, it's like, with something like Neobrand, that is not really an argument, though, because, like, what is... Like, how are they going to balance a deck that can kill you in turn one? Like, yeah, they yeah. Just, they just have to print another Force of Will. And they need to make it even better than Force of Negation, because Force of Negation is just not a card that every every modern deck is going to... Like, in, in Legacy, you have Force of Will, which every blue deck, which is 50% of the decks in the format, are playing four copies of, like, shooing. Shooing four copies. And that's just not a thing in modern, right? Like, even the blue decks, a lot of the blue decks, just cannot play... Uh, three, uh, you know, even not not even close to four copies of Force of Negation. Sometimes they play three, maybe sometimes they play two even, and like a lot of the blue decks just cannot afford to play any at all. So like, why why are we allowing people to die on turn one in a format where you know you can't really interact with it? I have no idea. Yes, I know it fizzles sometimes, but that's I don't think that's the point. And uh, a lot of people like. I, I am really against Neo Brand, okay? In my chat, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people give me give, give me you know give, give me shit because of it. But um, it is, it's not a matter of power level. Like it, people always bring the argument of power level, and it just it bothers me so much because that's not the issue. That yeah. is not the problem. The problem is that I just sat down to play a game against my opponent, and it's turn one, and I have not played uh, I have not played a land, and I lost. Yeah. And we're moving on to the next game. That is the problem. That is literally there's literally nothing that you can do. There's absolutely nothing that you can do. None of your decisions matter. Maybe your mulligan was perfect, but then you died, mm -hmm. so it didn't matter at all. Like mm -hmm. none of your decisions mattered. Your opponent just played solitaire, and they stole you from your win. This is even more. This is even more frustrating. This actually happened to me in GP Austin. I was six and zero, and then I got paired against Neobrand. And my opponent just killed me on turn two. And I'm like, dude, like, I, why? You know? <laughs> why did you I, just I, I, I'm, that we were friends? Exactly. Like, no, I got it, here. It, it, I'm playing well. You know, well. I'm with you there. Um, you know? The card I'm playing that, like, well, and now it doesn't yeah, matter. I, I mean, I think we all agree on that point. Um, the card that's been bothering me somewhat recently is, I, at first I did not think this card should be banned at all. And I was like, it's it's not that powerful. Like, who cares? But it's really been pissing me off lately is Arkham's Astrolabe. Because yeah. <laughs> it just it destroys the meaning of, like, the color pie. Like, before mm -hmm. these blue decks in Legacy, like, you get to pick, like, the control suite. Like, maybe you go black-green, you can play Abrupt Decay. Maybe you go blue-white, you can play Swords of Plowshares. Or maybe you play Grixis and you can play Colgan's Command. And now it's, like, you get to play whatever the fuck you want. And Modern yep. is, like, in a similar spot where, like, all of these control decks are playing Astrolabe with Yorion. And you can just play, mm -hmm. like, four or five colors. So that's another card I would like to see go. Just because it, like, it makes deck building more interesting when you need to decide like which colors to play for which metagame and it makes deck building uninteresting when you're like okay we'll just play all the colors always and then just like you know it's just it's just like kind of ridiculous to me no i mean the most egregious thing is probably that right like the fact that it was not only a matter of 
we are playing Astrolabe already, but we also printed Yorion as your companion, so you can get even more value from the card that is already egregious. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. so funny. Like Astrolabe, Yorion made Astrolabe even better for multiple reasons. But exactly. yeah, it's so funny. Like a lot of times when I'm playing with Yorion, I'm like, oh, I hope they don't draw Astrolabe as their best draw because then they get a flicker with Yorion, which is so funny. Uh huh. Yeah, it's, it's really silly. It's really silly, but. Yeah, I mean those. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, what, what, what I meant by balance, I just meant more like the standard cards, like cards like Fire of Invention and Wilderness and all these cards. It's kind of, but yeah, I had a serial experience against Neil Brand. I mean, I said when I was playing Rounds for the PTQ, when I lost game two, I, 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 I haven't like I was kind of salty about it. I mean, I didn't say anything in the chat or I didn't like, but I was thinking, I, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm gonna tweet like, why don't they ban this deck? And I've never seen Omar get salty except for when he lost to Neoform, and he was like, how they gotta ban this when he died turn one. Like, just what you were saying, it's it's kind of, uh, I mean, I hope uh, not too many Neoform listeners listen to the podcast. I don't have too much to hate on their deck, but it's definitely, does, it leaves a foul experience in the mouth. It doesn't feel like a lot is gained by it being hey, hey, look just at this to add I'm playing Neobrand so that it flames. gets banned, so that you never have to experience that again. Oh, that say is, what you what will, you Bob, would... to justify it. <laughs> That is what, what Final Love always says, and Jonathan Sang is a friend, and he always says the same thing. I'm just trying to get it banned, so you have, I'm doing this for you. <laughs> He's doing it for me. He's trying to play the deck, so he, they finally ban it, so I can I can play modern like a normal human being. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you like playing it, I think it's fine, but I just feel like it's kind of, it's kind of uh, on the borderline of, you know, it can definitely leave some foul experience in some people's mouths, you know, if no. they're trying to get more people to play Magic. They play modern. They get neoformed. You know, they might want to back uh, back out. Yeah, I mean, the worst part is like when they fizzle. It's just I feel bad too. You know, I just won the game and I still feel bad. Yeah, like <laughs> so nobody wins. Like when neoform is involved, nobody wins. It, the it worst part is the ley line of sanctities. Well, I guess you don't play black green. But I played against like two ad nauseas, which is a better matchup because they're slower. Or I guess Neoform, uh, maybe it's a fine matchup too. But the worst part is like you have, it, I guess it's the same thing as Boggles. Well, I guess you could say it's the justice for the discard players. But you have the discard yeah. spell and then they have Leyline and you just lose anyway. But I yeah, guess maybe it's, it's fair. You, you can't have the discard players always, you know, win. Veil of Summer also protects it. Uh, yeah, you can protect yeah. it. But yeah, that, that's definitely one of the funniest feelings. Like you have to discard your only interaction. And then they play Leyline, and you're like, oh, my only interaction doesn't work. But I guess one player has to win the game, so. Hey, I, yeah. I, I, I my, played my, my the favorite... League of Neobrand, and I, I played so... against John, and I opened on Leyline of Sanctity. And then I didn't end up making a Grizzlebrand for a couple turns. And then on the very last turn, I was going to untap with Grizzlebrand. And I had Leyline of Sanctity, so they had, like, a handful of discard spells, and their dog, Confidence, had, like, flipped two Lightning Bolts. So I was like, okay, I'm probably, like, fine, because they have, like, nothing going on. But they attack with everything. And they double vote their own Tarmogoyf when I block it with the Grizzlebrand, and then I die to Xaxes, so, you know. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's, that's, Actually, that's uh, probably just us. Yeah, when I played against Ad Nauseam today, to, I, uh, I, they had a Ley Line out, and I had three Inquisition of Kozilex in hand, but then I drew Lost Legacy, so I just used it to draw three cards, which was a uh, <laughs> nice yeah, that's interaction. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, I forgot you can target yourself with that card. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> and I drew land plus trophy, which is pretty good. I mean, it was in a fine spot anyway, but I drew like assassin's trophy and the land to cast it. That's so great. No, I, I was going to talk about yeah. it. Was like, um, th th there was a tweet that uh, somebody posted, and it's like th they were playing uh, Neobrand, and they play the Elosaurus Rider, and they had the Neoform in hand, but their opponent had the, the Graft land. What's the name? Uh, Lana Reborn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it triggered on the ETV, and their opponent just passed the Allosaurus Rider in response to the trigger, 
that made me happy. <laughs> that actually made me happy for a second there. I, I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I saw that too. That was kind of crazy. Yeah. Wait, why are people I, I have, oh, in hardened scales, I guess? Yeah, exactly. In hardened scales. Okay, that's which, awesome. Which I, th I, I was like... Be right back, and we get to buy buy four Radawab Reborns to put in my amulet deck for the for the Neo Ren matchup. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. How do you, how do you? Oh, oh, oh! The card was already in play, and then it triggered. Got it, got it. Okay. Exactly, because like it triggers on any creature entering the battlefield, so it triggered on the on the Alasaurus Rider entering into play, and then they just passed it in response with with the with the graph trigger on the stack. That's actually it really hard for Neobran to beat because, like, they would need to keep in like packed negation or something. Exactly, well, it, it, it was yeah. glorious. So, Soul Sisters might be the answer to Neoform. <laughs> Soul okay, Sisters. well, Francisco, I think we're <laughs> going, going a little here. bit long on this podcast. Um, it was it was really great talking to you and learning about kind of how you got into magic, and I, I'm like surprised learning about how all these similarities. Like, you got in around the same time as me. Uh, you played in Boston. I, I actually grew up in Boston too, so. Um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Um, we'd definitely love to have you on another time, but uh, I don't know. Do you yeah, have any anytime, closing man. thoughts? Yeah, I mean, um, this is this was sweet. I really appreciate you guys having me here. Again, I, I, I'm trying to, with the whole quarantine thing, I'm basically doing uh, content production full-time right now. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, tell, yeah, tell us you what your uh, Twitch and YouTube channels are. Oh, yeah, uh, so... Good point. Yeah, I actually do stream on Twitch again, oh, basically daily, every time. From I, My starting time is always 11 a.m. PST, so that's Pacific time. And I usually stream between four and like eight hours or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, mostly stream modern, though I do have a, a schedule with like all the things that I'm that I'm doing. Uh, there's definitely, definitely a lot of amulet happening there. And then all of my streams get uploaded to YouTube where uh, which is uh, f f pavlush which is i'm sorry about that yeah so it's f p a w l u s z that's my twitch and then f p a w l u s z mtg is my my youtube channel so i upload all that stuff i also post on twitter all the time uh, same same handle with, with the mtg in the end um, and I, uh, I always post whenever i'm going live and i always post which decks i'm going to be playing and stuff like that I yeah oh oh Patreon I always forget about the Patreon yeah I also have a Patreon <laughs> with, with with exclusive content and stuff like that cool so which is also a published MTG but yeah that's it awesome uh, any last thoughts Daniel uh no nothing from me that's okay, all cool. folks thank you guys uh, for coming on see you guys next time thank you all right so now go ahead and hit the stop button.